Hey, everybody, welcome back to another edition of DPH Clinical. I got the guys from Colorado Surgical Institute with me today, and we got a cool topic. I don't even know what the heck it is, but Tahir says we're going to talk about it. <laughs> I just want to share a story. I had a on our Slack page today, I had a hygienist post. Hey, guys, save extracted teeth for my side business. And I have no idea what that is, but it's some sort of, I think it's tooth harvesting, I think we could call it. And Tahir's going to talk about bone harvesting today. So what the heck is that, dude? What is bone harvesting? Well, first off, we're going to talk about ways to get autogenous bone from different places in the mouth. And two, it's like why and when you want to do it and what are the indications for it. Uh, and we'll talk about some sticky bone and different things you can do and kind of costs associated with things as well. Yeah, this is the non-serial killer version, not yes. like the grinding teeth. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no true it's crimes. Funny. I don't even know what she's doing. She's like making necklaces, like putting them on shoes. <laughs> or she might just be slanging them to like dental students. I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, am I overreacting? <laughs> so, hey, kids, you want to practice your It's a very weird endos? request. Yeah. 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 It's like if I went to like work and I'm like, hey, girls, uh, <laughs> can, I, can I get some pieces of your hair and from your brush and some fingernail clippings? and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little, it's a little dumb, yeah. dumber now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's just let's turn this episode around, guys. Let's go. Uh, so back to scraping <laughs> bone out of people's faces. <laughs> let's save this one. So number one, let's say you're doing a full arch or the edentulus and you're doing overdentures. What we recommend is getting double action rongeurs and just taking them and clipping the bone away and doing your reduction with that. And then we get a stainless steel tin, fill it with some saline. And then just get all the bone particles and the clippings and all that stuff and the harvesting and put it into the saline to keep it hydrated. And then Dr. Briskin can talk about which kind of bone grinder he likes to use. And then just put it on the side. One of the ladies comes in, grinds it all up, get, keeps it hydrated. And then you can reinsert that wherever you need to and mix it with some cortical cancellus if you need more volume. But that's what I do a lot of my full arches is I'll actually harvest the autogenous bone and mix it in with the cortical cancellus I get from like Maxius or wherever you decide to get your bone graft from and then spread the love. I feel like the ronger is like such an aggressive instrument. It is, but sometimes you get through that palatal bone yeah. and dude, like you need the double action on that to get it done. Yeah. And then just for everyone, just do not grind up tori. Like it's useless. You're going to just jam up your instrumentation. So cut tori off if you need to. Just harvest a lot of that like medullary cancellous bone, the softer stuff. Don't put the hard stuff in there. Nice. Well, the whole idea is when you're looking at different foreign countries, right? Like Europe, like Portugal, Spain, especially, they actually weren't even allowed to use allograft materials until a few years ago. So, really? yeah, they would only harvest autogenous. So, I mean, man, like thinking about it, where we are in the United States, like why are we not doing that more often? Because anytime you take a bone product, like an allograft or a xenograft or whatever it is, the bone's going to wall itself off and encapsulate it. So it treats it like a foreign body, right? What I do now typically is if I have exposed implant threads or around like a full arch case, right? Even if it's put an immediate implant in, right? I'm actually going to cover the threads with autogenous. And then I'm going to go back and cover the rest of the bone with allograft because that way the body doesn't treat it as a foreign object, and you'll have way better healing that way. But I'm just kind of shocked throughout all the implant journeys that I've been through that this topic hasn't really been talked about a whole lot, like just the importance of 
collecting autogenous and using it specifically. So yeah, just super valuable information, I think. Yeah. And if we all want to go back to dental school, autogenous bone is osteoinductive and conductive versus your cortical cancellous xenograft, whatever, which is just osteoconductive. A, you got some of that metabolic biochemistry stuff that you can finally use, go back into your brain and just regurgitate that information one more time. Two, it's Dr. Risky is 100% right. You put that stuff directly on your threads of your implant. The integration on some of these cases is amazing. Like you come back in and you look at it and it looks awesome. You don't have as much resorption after the fact. Also, when you're drilling, if you do the biologic protocol and you're going 50-50 and you take it out and on the actual flutes of your drill, there's like red bone or anything, you can just put that drill and just kind of shake it off inside the saline and it's just getting all those autogenous particles in there. Or if you're doing ridge reduction with a burr and you use your Minnesota for retraction, a lot of like the particulate that gets ground up through your reduction will actually sit on your Minnesota as well. So I'll actually take my Minnesota off and I'll dust it off in the saline and rinse it off in the saline to collect as much particulate as possible too. But let's say you're just doing a single and you don't have the option for ridge reduction and all of that. You can go into the tuberosity and literally all you have to do is get a trefine burr just go straight up into the tuberosity as long as, you know, tuberosity is present. You're not going to be causing any harm. And, you know, you may be already working in that quadrant, so you're not getting the patient numb again. And you just take a trefine burr right into the tuberosity and take that stuff out and then utilize it around your implant. And then they sell bone scrapers. And Dr. Brisky, I don't know, do you, where do you get yours from? Salvin or somewhere else? There's a couple different types, right? You have a bone mortalizer, which is you have this little tiny well. It's like the size of a quarter. And you stick the bone in there and then you squeeze it like it's a handle, like some like forcep, you squeeze it into it. And then there's a little turning knob that you turn it and it mortalizes or grinds it up. But with those, they're less expensive. You can buy like 35 bucks on eBay or Amazon, but it doesn't really get the yield that you want because a lot of it gets kind of lost in the mortalizer itself on the bottom part or in the threads. So I feel like that's kind of a waste. So I no longer use that. I actually recommend an expensive one of these, unfortunately. <laughs> so we use the Salvin one now. Salvin has a bone mill. It's very expensive, but it grinds the bone up really well. And it's way easier to clean because afterwards your dental assistant's not going to clean the mortalizer. It's going to have all these like bone fragments. It's a pain in the butt to clean. You don't really get the yield out of it. So this instrument, unfortunately, we recommend you to go a little bit more expensive on. So I have a question. And I think my job in this podcast is to ask the newbie dumb questions. When you go into the tuberosity, what size truffin is that like something where you're like opening up an incision flap to get through there or are you just busting through tissue? So if you're going to feel like you're going to utilize the soft tissue in any capacity, you can just bust through the tissue and it granulates in. It's just the patient's in a little bit more pain. If you're not in the soft tissue area where you can utilize it, just make a small incision. The trefine burr, I would just say maybe like three millimeters shy of the buccolingual length. Because you don't want to destroy buccolingual bone. You just want to take out that medullary cancellus. The awesome thing about the body is once you close that sucker up, like, it's just going to granulate in. Bone will reform in that area. Yeah, that's what it's just be. Yeah, you just don't want to go too far back and like screw up your hamular notch. And you don't want to go too far forward and mess with the root tip on a first molar or second molar or whatever, you know, the most terminal tooth in that area is. But at the end of the day, it's an option if the patient is numb there already. And then you can also go to the ramus. If you, if you need to. So if you're working in like the lower left or lower right, 
You take your incision, almost like you're doing a wisdom tooth, just take it up there, take your periosteal and scrape up against the ramus. And then you just map out in your CT, know where your nerve is running, just so you feel comfortable. Take a little bowling pencil and draw exactly the areas you want to go to. And you can take a trephine burr in there. You can take a piezo and cut a block out. You can take a little round burr and cut a, a notch and stick an elevator in there and pop it out. There's so many options you have. I mean, neither is right or wrong as long as you're just doing it in a way that's best in your hands. And then you can grind it up and utilize it as particulate. And we're not necessarily going to talk about like quarry plate techniques or any of these more advanced things. Right now, we're just talking about harvesting for particulate to utilize on the buckle or in a socket or in around your implants or things like that. But there's really more advanced things you can do around the ramus as well. Ever since we started using relevance online marketing, I could see a drastic improvement in our SEO. I mean, we are ranking so much higher when searching for dentists in our hometown. We are seeing more new patients and certainly someone you should give a, give a look at if you're considering new marketing companies. Just absolutely awesome. I would recommend Relevance to any practice owner who wants to see what proper marketing can do for their office. I want to thank Dr. Paul Etchinson for introducing me to Relevance Marketing. They've done a great job, very thorough. I'm happy with the results. Thank you guys for all of your help. We never truly realized how powerful this could be. It's really changed our business for the best. I think they're definitely worth every penny. Easy to communicate with, easily accessible, does what I ask, and even shows me some reports when things are going a little bit off track and what they're doing about it. You know, it's just a level of service I just haven't really received from other marketing agencies. Since we've been using Relevance, we've seen a tremendous growth in our business. I would recommend their services to just about anybody. Search engine optimization uh, and getting your ranking on Google to be the highest it can possibly be. The efforts uh, by Relevance and their team and the efforts and the things that they've done with the, uh, the SEO as well as the social media. Highly recommend it. So what are you waiting for? This is Dr. Paul Etchison telling you to get a free consultation with Relevance. As a listener of the podcast, you get the first month free and there is zero obligation to continue if you aren't blown away. Make this the year you grow your practice to the next level. Go to RelevanceOnlineMarketing.com to set up a free consultation. That's RelevanceOnlineMarketing.com. So the ones that I'd like to use, so Megagen actually has a kit that's really good. It's called Automax. It's an autogenous bone harvester. I like that one to actually harvest the bone at a more of a low RPM. That's a really, really nice kit. Everything else I'm going to recommend Neodent, obviously because I love Neodent. <laughs> but this one I'm going to recommend definitely these ones from Megagen for this kit. It's just a really useful kit. It has stoppers on it. It's pretty cool so you don't drill too far down. Then the other way would be those safe scrapers, right? So Osteogenics has a safe scraper, it's called Twist. And that's my favorite one. There's a couple other cheaper ones that I've seen where you can get like four uses out of, but they're never very sharp. And I feel like I'm sitting there scraping the bone for 10, 15 minutes and I'm really not getting much yield. So my favorite scraper to get the bone away is definitely the safe scraper from Osteogenics to get those. But I always feel the best about harvesting from the mandible because the periosteal, like the actual muscle attachment from the masseter is so strong in the mandible that if you drill a hole or drill a ramus block away, the body just repairs it. It just puts it back. So it literally just an endless zone of area that you can harvest from. It's pretty cool. 
So you can drill a hole back there. It'll grow right back because the body has to. The body still has to reattach the periosteum and the muscle attaches there too. So the body has no other resort than to reattach. So the bone grows back. It's pretty cool. So, you know, mentioned that you put it on implant threads. Were you talking about if you have an implant that's lost a little bit more coronal bone than after healing, like going back in and grafting in it? Or is it you talking about at the time of surgery, that's the only time you'll use it? I'll actually now extend my flap a little bit more and then use a scraper to scrape bone. And then I'll throw that in the hole, right, around an immediate implant. Or if I have enough, I'll do it around an implant maybe where I'm a little bit more concerned because there could be a slight buckle defect, Right. So if you're doing it in an arch and you have a one that's just a little bit, maybe thread or two exposed, then use the save that autogenous and put it around that tooth. Right. But later down the good question, because we get this question a lot. We see some surgeries, maybe one didn't go well. You have some threads exposed. Then we have some docs say, hey, you know, I'll just go back and bone graft it. I'm like, oh, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean you're going to just bone graft it? A lot of people think just adding some bone sprinkles like Salt Bay does around the implant <laughs> will help heal. <laughs> it doesn't work like that, unfortunately. You still have to prepare the implant. You still have to have really, really good grafting techniques to actually graft around an implant that has bone loss threads. But I would also save autogenous for maybe an implant that didn't heal so well that you have to bone graft around. All right, so like we get the bone, like what do we do with it, I guess? So what we're going to do is you have some like stainless steel dish, you have it in saline, depending on like the patient's comorbidities, the complications, the site, the amount of infection maybe they presented with numerous reasons. Are they undergoing chemo or do they have any type of like major issues in terms of autoimmune problems that they, they're not going to heal appropriately? Well, then do you want to hydrate it with like gentamicin, which is $10,000 a bottle these days? If you want to use some metronidazole and then hydrate it that way, you can get some ANSEF that comes in powder form and just hydrate that with some saline and then use the ANSEF around the graft and you're introducing that. I think we're moving away from a clindamycin type of recommendation these days, but you got your ANSEF, your metronidazole, your gentamicin options for antibiotic choices in terms of hydration on the graft itself and maybe within your membrane too. And then you can bring it to the site or you can spin off some PRF, press your membranes, get the fluid away from that. We do. I think we talked about this in a previous podcast. You can use your yellow tubes or white tubes and create sticky bone and make any type of cocktail you want and introduce that into your graft and then utilize your graft in whatever form you want. And that's kind of a rabbit hole. I don't know if necessarily we have time to go through like every permutation and decision tree on like how to hydrate it every single way. But what I can say is the vast majority of the time in private practice, I'm doing a blood draw. I'm spinning down some red tubes. I'm pressing the PRF and getting the fluid kind of at the bottom of the little PRF tin. And I'm scraping some autogenous or harvesting from somewhere, mixing it up with some cortical cancellus I get from Maxius, and then I'll hydrate it with the PRF stuff. And then I take that to my site. I lay my PRF over the top. And I suture, and if it's a complex defect, I have a membrane selection choice I'll use. As far as antibiotic goes, Dune was mentioning gentamicin, metronidazole, and sometimes the difficulty of getting these meds. It's just very true. I feel like anytime we recommend an antibiotic, we'll get some messages like, hey, I can't find it. What do I do? <laughs> right? But what I've found works well is they do sell metronidazole in IV bags. I think the size is 200 milliliters, and you can get 12 of them for a buck fifty. 
So what I did is one of my buddies bought a whole case of it by accident, actually. So he was like, I don't know what to do with this. So he just gave me six of them. So Dune, I'll give you one when I see you in August. Yeah, <laughs> appreciate it. Were they always hard to get or is this like a new like post-COVID world like supply chain kind of thing or is this, it's always been like this? There's been, I don't know, who knows, right? I feel like everyone's using the supply chain excuse, right, recently. Yeah. In terms of difficulty, I've even seen the difficulty in getting midazolam recently and ketamine especially, especially antibiotics too. So I think everyone's just using it as an excuse, right? Everyone's getting lazy. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. Gentamicin pre-COVID was never hard to get. And now for whatever reason, prices have like skyrocketed and it's hard to get. So who knows, right? We're in post-COVID world. How long can we use that excuse? I mean, I still use it on patients when my labs come late. I'm like, oh yeah, COVID's affected supply chain. So I still <laughs> use it as a cop out. I, I use to. it when the person calls and they're like, hey, where's my Invisalign trays? It's been like a month. And we're like, oh, and then I go log in. I'm like, I forgot to send the case out. <laughs> but, yeah. but no, it's a supply chain. Damn COVID. Yeah. Dude, I remember when I couldn't get saline bags. I think the suppliers said something like it's only made in France or something. I don't I don't know if there was any legitimacy it to that. It was like Puerto Rico and like the hurricane hit Puerto Rico <sighs> and then all of a sudden you couldn't get saline. Like, but yeah. Yeah. I'm like, dude. It's like interesting. It's like we just pivoted into geopolitics. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, right. So as far as like this bone harvesting, you, you guys feel like, I mean, how often per procedure is this? Is this like every time you're doing like a full arch and every time you're placing an implant or an immediate? Every time that we're doing a full arch, whether it's an overdenture case or a full, like a regular fixed full arch, right? Every single time for me, it's every time that I repair an implant and it's every time that I'm placing an immediate and I feel like that hole is huge and I'm just worried about healing in general for bacteria, bacteria just infiltrating the area and me not having a successful immediate implant. Is all bone created equal or is there certain bones that are better? from like certain areas it just is all the same yeah all the same yeah yeah when you're harvesting i'd say yeah okay mm-hmm. all bone is created equally <laughs> now if we get into like cortical cancellus and xenograft then no not created equally in the synthetics and you know all of that other stuff that's out there yeah, yeah. interesting anything else you guys want to add to bone harvesting i would just say at the end of the day just remember autogenous graft is free it's the best stuff you can use it's a hundred percent free your cases are going to go better. And I mean, granted, if you need something to harvest it with, like a scraper, yeah, it's going to cost a little bit of money. You have a little upfront cost on some things. But at the end of the day, the pendulum will swing another direction. And then your cost of your $100 two cc's for Maxius will outprice your grinder running through sterilization. So I definitely advise everyone to get into it for sure. Yeah, just get comfortable becoming more uncomfortable, right, with your surgeries. Just do something a little bit more in depth with what you're doing on a daily basis. because. If you're doing some repairs or more advanced procedures, sometimes those bone sprinkles don't work out well. Sometimes just going a little step further and guaranteeing that the patient's going to heal well by using a tool that may only cost you $40, right? At the end of the day, I think it's definitely worth it. As far as double action round years, of all the companies, I like My Dental USA. They have a really good one that's actually pretty affordable. I think it comes out to 100 bucks or 110 bucks. That's the one that we recommend getting now. I think the size is 18 centimeters. So 18 centimeter double action round year. And then get the a little bit more expensive one, bone mill from Salva, not the cheap $35 one. As far as antibiotics, get metronidazole bags, IV bags. I think it's 200 milliliters and just split it with a bunch of your buddies. And then each bag will last you like two years. 
cause it's metronidazole because it's going to stay good forever because it's meant to kill staph infections. So <laughs> that little bag is going to last you for the next two years for the most part. What else? Use PRF where you can, obviously. And when you're adding antibiotic into the graph material, I usually do about one cc worth. So you just grab a one milliliter TB syringe, fill it up all the way and squirt it in the graft. And then the rest of it, if you need more hydration, you can use anesthetic or you can use PRF fluid after you crushed it. I think you got to clarify one thing to here is that you did say it's free. And I feel like some dentists out there just heard that. And maybe you should clarify that it's only used on the patient you take it from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some guys yeah, out there no... taking off his gloves and like blowing them off, like <laughs> setting them down on the operatory, only one per patient. Yes, yes. It's like free bone. Your honor. I'm harvesting. Your honor, let me be very clear. <laughs> you take it from one patient, you use it on one patient. Yeah, the same oh, patient. Man. The same patient. I could, I could see, I could hear that getting read back in court. Oh, dude, can you take bone from Church of Latter Day Saints? No, Jehovah's Witnesses. Jehovah's Witness. You can't take blood out of their body and reinsert it. And you can't take bone out of their body and reinsert it. Yes, yeah, so there's bone as well. Yeah. Okay. For like religious reasons? Mm-hmm. For religious reasons, yeah. Uh, so How did you learn that? The hard way. Uh, any Jehovah's Witness patient, ask them, hospitals do this really well. Are there any medical reasons why we cannot take blood or uh, bone graft from you? And ask them specifically. And if you want to add an extra line to your consent forms, since my little, I brushed up against the guardrail on this one, but at least we were able to get back on track with the patient relationship. But if you're ever kind of phased with this, I mean, we've added this into our consent form as well. It's always good to just dot your I's, cross your T's, ask your questions. It's like asking your patients with IV sedation, is there any chance you could be pregnant? Mm. Ask everyone 100% all the time. It will save you every once in a while. Yeah. Wow. All right. What do you guys got coming down the pipe at CSI? Oh man, we have our full arch course coming up in August. This one is really, really cool. I mean, I think I say that every time, but I really am excited about this one. And the reason why is A, we're running a Brisky's new office, which is freaking amazing. B, we have our IV sedation course running at the exact same time as our full arch course. So then there's going to be dual learning. So even the guys doing surgery are going to be gleaning through osmosis, like some of this IV not knowledge that's happening. And then the IV guys are going to be getting the surgical knowledge because it's, it's our first time we're running both courses at the same time. And Dr. Britsky and myself, we've worked into the course curriculum, at least for this one, that we're going to be doing example surgeries. So then all the attendees get to watch me do a double arch. Everyone gets to watch Brisky do a double arch. A lot of feedback. We do surveys at the end of our courses and a lot of people were like, yeah, it'd be really cool to see you guys do it. So we figured out a way to time it and get that in there. So yeah, it's just a nice little 2.0, 5.0, whatever you want to call it on the courses and I'm pumped for it. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. We watched Dune and I compete. Try to get the lowest time on the art. (laughs) I just just gave myself an easier case so I could win. (laughs) <laughs> That's great. All right, guys, Colorado Surgical Institute.com. Thanks for being on the episode. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks, man. Thanks, brother. Hey, everybody. This is Dr. Doom from Colorado Surgical Institute. Just wanted to give you guys a shout out and let you know about the program. We have full arch surgeries, we have lateral sinus lifts, we have block grafting courses, all done in one weekend with the whole digital workflow with photogametry units, scanners, 3D printers, milling. You name it, anything regarded to full arch, we cover in depth. We also have a PGCA course. What that is, it's the Postgraduate Clinical Accelerator course. 
where we are going to be covering wisdom teeth, single implants, and it can be complex single implants with vertical sinus lifts. We'll also be covering full arch extractions with ridge reduction, bone grafting, PRP, suturing, and we also will have a course on socket preservation. So if you guys are interested in any of those courses, please reach out to us at Colorado Surgical Institute. The code is HEN for 10% off our courses because we love Paul Etchison and his podcast, and we're here to help.